Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley, and of course, I have my main man across from me, Scotty D. Scotty D, tell the people what's up. Hey guys, how you doing today? Oh, Scotty, come on. That was just so just middle of the road. Hey guys. I'm busy running an audio board and getting so, your notes so, out for you. So you're making excuses. That's what you're telling me. You need me. coffee? Golly, y'all believe this guy over here making excuses. Thank you guys for joining us. This is the Triple Threat Podcast, and... As we bring it to you every single week, we talk a little bit of everything. Got sports, got a little culture. I got a, a nice, interesting take uh, this week for my man Scotty D to, before we start talking. Uh, but one guy who I have on the show today, I cannot wait for you guys to check him out, is my man Quincy Carter. You know him, played in Georgia, played for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, played some baseball, got drafted. He is going to talk to us about a plethora of things going on in his life, some of the things he's had to overcome. We're going to get into it all. We're not going to hold back. We're going to keep it all the way real with my man Quincy Carter. So I can't wait to talk to him and let you guys hear some of the things that he has gone through and some of the things he has overcome. So looking forward to that conversation. Uh, got to talk to him. So we're, we're going to have fun with that. Scotty D. Where you want to start at, man? We got a lot going on in the world of sports. We got the NBA, you got college football, you got golf. You know, I love golf coming up uh, today, but uh, let's start with some basketball. All right. NBA. Yeah. And it's only, I'll be honest, I don't really watch basketball until the playoffs. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. During the regular season. I watch my Hawks during the season some, but, but. You know, they haven't played in six months. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But they, playoff basketball is where it's at. Yeah, so playoff basketball started uh, Tuesday. We saw both number one seeds fall in the East and the West. The Lakers and the Bucks both fall. The Bucks lose to the Magic 122 to 110. Giannis goes for 31 points. Middleton goes for 31 points. It's a lot in that ball game. Did, what, what, what did you like about the Bucks and Orlando? Obviously, not much for the Bucks, but Orlando, man, they, 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 you think they stole one? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, yeah. I, I'm surprised when you throw out some of the numbers you just threw out that they still lost with with Middleton and, and Giannis doing what they did. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think the I, th- I don't think the Magic have uh, had the legs to stay with them. Yeah, I mean they're the only home team, right? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I didn't think about that. They had the crib. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're probably not, but but still. <laughs> yeah, they in the bubble, but hey, it is what They it got is. their own personal Grubhub drivers bringing them food. The Magic had Busevic, if I'm saying that correctly. If I didn't, I apologize, Mr. Busevic. He had 37 points in the game. Fultz had 29. I mean, they had some dudes balling in that ball game on Tuesday. Jumping to the Lakers. The Lakers lose 100 to 93 to those Portland Trail Blazers who have become the story of the bubble, and it's continued to be Dame time. What's going on with the Lakers? Do you think I'm gonna be honest? I think this goes seven. I think Portland has just as good of a chance as anybody to win this turn. I mean, to win this particular series. Mm-hmm. Do you still think the Lakers are the favorite? Well, it's hard to argue with the, the, whether the Trailblazers have a chance to win it. I mean, have they lost? Yeah, I think they like six. They were like six and two in the bubble or something. Were like they that. okay? I, I okay. Well, but they they've been doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I like. Dame been doing his Dame thing. <laughs> um, we don't see the people like that one. I uh, we don't see they talking about you after that. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I think that the you know everybody right now is talking about who's who's in more trouble, and I think it's definitely the Lakers. And and it's it's not necessarily trouble. I just think that I think that the better way to phrase that is that the Bucks are in less trouble. Right. I don't think I don't think that uh, Orlando can take this to seven games, even though they're starting with a lead right now. Yeah. Um, but Portland, I mean. Dame is doing is doing unbelievable stuff. Uh, they need a good game from McCollum. Yeah, and um, they've been balling though, man. See, CJ put up numbers. He had twenty one in the last game, but I remember he closed out uh, the game when they had to the, the, to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's closed right. Closed that out in that fourth quarter play. I mean, but Dame's been killing, of course. Uh, but you look at the Lakers though. LeBron had twenty three. Mm-hmm. AD had twenty eight. Kuzma had 14 off the bench, but nobody else 
was in double digits in that in that ball game. They need other guys yeah. to step up. They need other guys to play their role. You can't expect LeBron and AD to carry the load every single game, which of course you expect superstars to do that. But sometimes yeah. you need three or four guys off the bench to do their thing. And right now the Lakers aren't looking that way. Maybe they get back on track tonight. You think? You well, think the they take tonight. What do you think about LeBron's game? Uh, LeBron's game last night because, or the other night, he um, he was passing a lot. He was he was facilitating a lot. Yeah, guys weren't necessarily making it pay off though. Twenty three points from LeBron James in a playoff game. That ain't much. That's not enough. I don't think. Um, so I think that they got a they got a harder they got a harder task ahead of them being down one zero than the than the Bucks do. But again, I just think it's more because of their competition. I more, think more LeBron has always been the dude that tries to get everybody. He does. Going. He's he does. always been the guy that I want to bring all these guys along with me. <clears throat> but I think in this point of his career, no time for that. You well, got to take over. You got to be the dude day in and day out because. Everybody expects you to be the best player in the world. I think he's underrated in that regard. And I hear people say it. it's not like people don't notice. Right. Everybody talked about Michael Jordan about how how good he made the team around him. Yeah. LeBron does that, and he yeah. does it. He does it to me. He does it even. It's even more outstated because I don't think he except you know everyone he has had good players around him. Obviously in Miami he had some good players in Cleveland as well, but the the the, the nucleus of this team isn't near as good as any Bulls team that Michael Jordan had. Yeah. And he's he's carried them to a number one seeding. Yeah, you got a bunch of dudes with, with, with the Bulls. You remember they had Coop, Coach Pippen. I mean, they oh, had Steve Kerr. I mean, yeah. they, you can go down the list of dudes who they had. But now you just got a bunch of guys who are trying to play with LeBron and AD. So we'll we'll see how it pans out. They got a chance to get back in the winning tonight tonight as they take on the Portland Trail Blazers. So other news, Rockets beat the Thunder. 123 to 108. James Harden being James Harden, dropping buckets all over the place. Had 37. Westbrook didn't even play. Mm-hmm. But the Rockets hold on to that. Uh, Chris Paul struggled a little bit, but what can expect? Playing against his old team. And the Miami Heat beat the Pacers 113 to 101. Jimmy Buckets goes for 28. I love Jimmy Butler's game. They look good. They looked good last night. Jimmy's my dude. I mess with Jimmy Butler. Basketball, NBA. Playoffs, they are here. I'm all for it. I'm all about sitting back on my patio and watching some bank, some games. So hopefully they're as entertaining as they have been so far. As you guys can see over my shoulder here, I got my man Rocky, which if you listen to our podcast, Rocky is one of my favorite movies of all time. So you will see plenty of Rocky stuff. I talk about Rocky all the time. So shout out Sylvester Stallone. But uh, let's move on to college football. Earlier this week, Justin Fields had a petition about wanting to play. Last time I checked, over 250,000 signatures. Sure. There's that many. There's more people than that in Ohio. True, true. And I don't I don't see him going back on it, but it's going to be tough to see. I mean, Justin Fields is a guy who has a lot of input, a lot of pull. Maybe get some guys around him, but what do you think of the petition and all that? Well, I I don't, I don't want to roll my eyes at petitions because I know, you know, at their core they have they have good purpose. But I feel like there's a lot of things with technology now today. There's all kinds of stuff that you see that we didn't see growing up. We didn't see obviously before that. Right. Everything is recorded, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there's a different petition every day. True. I just I just hope people understand that a petition doesn't mean once you know once the petition fills up it busts through and, and triggers some kind of change. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily work that way. To me, there's a lot of other better causes for a petition. I'm not saying this isn't a good cause, Dude, but, but, but play, you man. just, you can't, yeah, Dude, you just can't play. expect that. Well, if he gets X amount of petitions, they're going to play. Yeah. That is, that's not how it's going to work. Yeah. It's going to be tough to pull the, the wool over the eyes of the big 10 as you know, they already said back in August 11, along with the pack 12 that they were postponing their season. Mm. Lane Kiffin, I thought, had an interesting take. (laughs) (laughs) He always does. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Lane Kiffin says that the players in the Big Ten, Pac-12, all these conferences who had to postpone their season should have the ability to transfer without penalty. Okay. Lane Kiffin wants extra players to come out. He wants guys to be able to say, hey, if you're not playing, I can come over to Ole Miss and play. What do you think about if players could – 
transferring from their schools because they want to play. Well, Kiffin does not have a job at Ole Miss because the roster was stacked, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, I mean, first of all, if I were one of his players, I would be super pissed that he's trying to bring in a bunch of ringers. All right, you you ever play softball? You ever play golf where you bring it? You bring in your guys bro, so you can just, win, bro. He's trying to win. I know. He's, he's just Kiffin being Kiffin. I mean, the guys who are there now are the guys that you know he recruited per se. So, well, you know. maybe a fourth of them, maybe. But it as to me, that's a joke. To me, logistically, that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, it. I mean, I guess you know you can you can waive the 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 scholarship offer or the scholarship limits. You could waive that, I guess. But where do they, where do they go next year? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and what and what does Ohio State do when when forty kids leave from their team? You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. there's no way it's going to happen. And the crazy part about it is, there was another kid that opted out today. Uh, actually, actually yesterday opted out. A kid by the name of Sage Sherratt, wide receiver at Wake Forest. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a chance to leave last year. Uh, was all ACC selection a year ago, despite injuring. Uh, short in the season, but he had over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns back in nineteen, and he was the first Wake Forest receiver to do that since Ricky Prohl back in '89. So uh, another player opts out. There are some other big time players like Gregory Rousseau, who's the outside linebacker from Miami, Rashad Bateman, uh, receiver at Minnesota, Makai Parsons, inside linebacker at Penn State. A lot of these guys have opted out, saying they want to just get ready for the draft, and a lot of them are saying because of Concerns with COVID. How bad? How how I? You know who I feel bad for? That kid at the the receiver at Wake Forest. I don't know what his name is. You said it, but Sage Surratt. Okay, he decides to come back. So he was he was somebody that people were interested in drafting last year. Yes. He decides to come back. Then his quarterback leaves. <laughs> Jamie Newman goes to Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and now and now he can't even play. Yeah. I feel bad for that kid. He should be in NFL camp right now as a sixth receiver somewhere hey, you know trying to I, earn his way. I saw something interesting too that Nick Saban said about talking about so many of these kids who have draft eligibility, like juniors and singers mm-hmm. who have a chance to go to the next level. And they're talking about all this spring football. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And he said, basically, if that happens, all these junior singers who have a grade for the national football league will end up just opting out. Yeah. And then guess what? They're saying, the spring will turn into like JV football. I said it last week. If Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are are being told that they're going to play in the spring, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and others are not going to play in the spring. No. They're not going to do that. Not at all. Not going to. No chance. No. No chance. All right. Question I want you to answer here. Who wins the job in New England? Because I'm going to ask you this because <laughs> maybe when they signed with New England, everybody said, oh, it's Cam Newton's job. No, no doubt about it. Right. But now there have been stories that come out that, Cam has struggled a little bit in camp. He's still trying to learn the system. He's still trying to learn the audibles and checks and protections and all that kind of stuff throughout camp. He won't have any live action with him until a possible game. Mm. But Jerry Stidham has been around. Brian Hoyer has been around. Is it still Cam's job or you think it's wide open? Because right now they said all three guys have actually been sharing time Mm -hmm. at that number one spot during practice. Is it Cam's job or – is it really a QB competition? Well, I mean, my opinion is it would be completely speculatory. I have no idea who is who is. I can't see anybody starting other than Cam. I mean, yeah. let's let's be real. But you know, when Brady left before they signed Cam, everybody was like, "Oh, Stidham's looking good," and we got Hoyer's been around. He's been in the program for a right. long time. Right, right. So I, I, that I would have taken that with a grain of salt. That that look, they're 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 encouraged by what they have because that's what they have. Yeah. But I can't see any way Cam ain't starting. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Cam ultimately wins that job. He has to just play poorly in training camp for him not to be the guy. He's too talented. And the experience factor, I think, will definitely win over for him. Golf, I love this part. Golf starts today. PJ Tour FedEx Cup playoffs begin at TPC Boston for the Northern Trust. Tiger is back in the field. Does Tiger have a chance this week? Seriously, does he have a chance? I mean, can he can he be in the a top chance to 10? what win? Can okay. he be in the top ten? Can he be in the top ten? Tiger can do Tiger, but I, I, not from what I've seen. Yeah, he's only played twice, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, and I, look, he's 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 forty four, forty five years old. That's kind of old in, in most sports. Not necessarily too old in golf, but yeah. he's ten years away from the senior tour. Yeah, <laughs> hey, but it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, any, I don't anything think so, with but. Tiger in it, I think makes it. 
appealing. So I think a lot of people are going to be watching to see if Tiger can make any kind of run. But one guy who won't be playing this weekend, my man Brooks Kepka. Kepka's out with a knee issue. He's got some knee and some hip issues, and he's he's pulled out, and he's doubtful for next month's U.S. Open. So uh, we both like Brooks Kepka. Mm. Um, I picked him, you know, a couple weeks back to to win, and um, he played all right, but had a, a bad Sunday. But uh, he'll miss the Tour Championship. Uh, he was tied for third last year, but the lingering knee and hip issues. If you watch some golf, you've seen him yeah. throughout the round, stretching out, mm-hmm. stretching his hip, stretching his knee, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, for for me, it's it's kind of hard visualizing. Look, if and I don't know how bad he's hurt, but it's kind of hard thinking if you're in if you're in position to be able to play for it all. For sure. How how could you not? Yeah. But for a guy like him, he's young. He's got so many years ahead of him. What, you know, just it sounds like he's mailing it in right now, basically. I mean, not mailing it in, but he's shutting it down. You know, yeah. I think he just he's trying to be safe, trying, yeah. to be, trying to make sure he's healthy for the long run. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, I see so many guys in golf have issues, man. I mean, because you, you see how these guys swing at it. It's a lot of torque, a lot mm-hmm. of things happening with him. So. Wishing best to Brooks Kapka. I mean, you, you, you want to go at it this week again? I mean, we won at it a couple weeks ago. You, you got a couple guys in mind you're thinking about. Uh, I mean, you know the, the usual cast of characters. Are you, you know, you're going to go back with your Xander Shoffley again or, you know, Colin Morikawa, who, you know, won it a few weeks ago. I'm going Tony Fee now, and I'm going to jump in and say Adam Scott. Adam Scott is like a just steady Eddie Stay in the groove. He's going to be good to go type of golf. He's right. always in there. So I like Adam Scott. And then I'm going to take steady man Tony Finau like as well. Finau. Finau is always in the mix, I believe. So, But he ain't won in a long time either. So, well, I'm just hoping he, for He struggles on the green. You know, he, it, he, like, he, really he looked wanted, a mess last week. Or was it the week before? I really wanted to, to pick my man Dustin Johnson. I really want to. But I don't know. I think I'm going to stay with Tony and, and Adam. All right. Well, I'm not trusting Justin Thomas again. <laughs> he let you down. He he almost cost me last time. I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go off the radar here. Oh, right. I like this guy. I'm gonna go Matthew Wolf. Ooh, the I young love, gun. I love watching him. Young gun. I love that hitch, dude. That that swing is unreal. <laughs> that hitch that he has in there is unreal. And um, I'll go even further off the radar, and I'll go okay. Victor Hovland. Okay, two young guns, huh? Yeah. Okay, you going with the You take your Adam Scott and Yeah, guys who've been doing it for I'm going with experience over what you're going with the youth. Mm-hmm. Hovlin and Wolf. Okay. All right, so you ready for your question of the day? We always I guess. you know always you know it's not even really a question. All right. I'm gonna give you a fact. Okay. Okay. The hottest chili pepper in the world. You like hot stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so the hottest chili pepper in the world is so hot it could kill you. It's it's called weapon grade. It's called Dragon's breath chili pepper. This is no lie. I I saw this and I thought it was hilarious. It said it's so hot it could potentially cause a type of anaphylactic shock during the airways and close them up. Wow. And you say so, it was so you said before you finished, you said it was weapons grade? Yes. That's like grade. the classification of how hot it yes. is. <laughs> That's what they said, weapons grade. So I started looking a little further. I said, why would anybody make this? What's the point of this? Yeah. And they said it was initially developed to be used in medical treatment as an anesthetic that could numb the skin. <laughs> but people are actually I trying eat to eat this. Nah, you don't want this. You want no part of this. Come on. Would What amount of money would somebody have to pay you to eat a piece of that? <laughs> I mean, it would have to be life-changing money if it could kill me. Uh, it wouldn't kill you, bro. It ain't going to kill you. They just say that just to make it sound extra hot. It ain't going to be that much. <laughs> it ain't going to be that much. Yeah, I'm with you. Because I don't think my insides could take that. No, I'm saying I, 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 wouldn't, requi- I wouldn't require that much. <laughs> Man, you crazy. I like. I need money. All right. Hollis Chili Pepper in the world. Dragon's Breath Chili Pepper. Look it up, people. I am not playing. All right. Coming up, we got my man, QC, Quincy Carter, coming on. And trust me, you don't want to miss the conversation that we have. We keep it real. We keep it honest. And we're going to have a lot to talk about. Quincy Carter, my man, coming up next.
joining the show on the Triple Threat Podcast. I got a guy who I have looked up to for a very long time. It's the man, the myth, the legend, my dude, Quincy Carter. Q, man, first off, how you doing, man? I noticed crazy times in the world, you know, with the pandemic going on and all that kind of stuff. But uh, how's life for you, man? Man, good. You know, uh, I just actually recently moved out here to uh, Austin, Texas, man, and, uh, you know, jumped into recovery and getting my life back straightened out, man. Uh, went to uh, rehab up in Maynard about a year about a year ago, man. So uh, I'm out here working with these quarterbacks right now, staying busy and also staying safe at the same time. It's good to talk to you, though, DJ. It's been a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you took your official visit with me at Georgia. I'll never forget that. We won't go. We won't go into all the details. But, uh, but uh, man, it's good to see you, man. And I'm proud of you, man. I've been yeah. watching you from afar, doing your thing on TV. You know your career with the Falcons, man. Everything you represented. You know at the same time getting that SEC championship. Yeah. Got to give you big kudos, man. That's <laughs> something that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you were able to finish it, and we would have had a national championship. I know for sure. If you didn't get hurt, what what game you missed? The all was it the Auburn game? Think you see, man. You know what, man? That 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 warms my heart that you even remember that because you yeah, talking all man. this about me, but I remember growing up and me watching you as Sideways the Cab. You know, uh, one of the reasons I like to rock that three and watching you, I'm like, man, I want to be just like this guy. And for you to say that and we had that that memory way back then, and I got hurt in the Arkansas game, had the Florida game. So miss that Florida game. And okay, miss the Florida game. Okay, undefeated going at that time, but uh, uh-huh. hey, one of one of the main reasons I wanted to go to University of Georgia because I saw you in their red and black and the way you represented. So uh, I appreciate you, you know, being on, and I appreciate the kind words for sure, man. Yeah, number love, DJ. So before we get into you, you talked about some of the stuff you're into now. Let's go back, man. Let's go back to the the, the good old days inside with the cab and the caterway is greater. Uh, and, and some of the things you did in Sideways, obviously won a, a championship there with the with the great Buck Godfrey. Shout out to one of the person who I did a show with, Rashawn Ali, uh, my dad with, with, with Buck. Talk about those high school days. Y'all had the, the, the crazy band. It was rocking. It was rolling, and you was the leader of it. Uh, you, you played with guys like Terrence Tramiel, which was, which was pretty cool. But talk about those high school days of Sideways to Cab where you guys were uh, just putting it on everybody. Man, my high school days, man, is, uh, I mean, without even saying, man, the most memorable football memories I got, man, in my entire life. And you just said it, man. Uh, you know, when you include the guys that I played with, like Terrence Tramiel, another Olympian, Angelo Taylor, mm-hmm. having a legendary band, you know, uh, you just said it with Coach Godfrey, man. We, we just, we were, we were a family, we were a big community. Uh, you know, we ate bread, I mean, bathroom, whatever I'm trying to say, football. And, uh, you know, we were just a big family, man. And those are my, really, to be honest with you, man, when I think about football in uh, any parts of my career, man, those memories from back at Southwest Cab, man, they just instantly come to me because we were such a family. We were so close. We were able to get that state championship, man, that means so much to our community in Decatur. And uh, them were some of the greatest moments of my life, man. And I don't think a lot of people may not remember, but you was a parade All-American, uh, Georgia Player of the Year. I mean, I used to, I mean, I, I tell you, my dad used to bring me out to watch you and say, hey, son, if you want to be like anybody, you need to watch this guy right here. So I remember those days vividly. Uh, obviously, you were uh, one of those multi-talented dudes who, who played multiple sports, really good in baseball. Which one was your first love? Was it football or was it baseball? Man, honestly, baseball was my first love. Um, I started playing, you know, at seven. That was the first sport I ever played, you know. Uh, So baseball became my first love by default, you know. But it was something about football that I couldn't get away from and that camaraderie with your teammates, you know, uh, being out there in those hot summer days, man, coming together, working your butt off. So that football, uh, that football love never left me, but baseball was definitely my first love, man. Loving baseball, of course. You were a really crazy baseball player. Uh, got drafted by the Cubs for sure. Talk about that decision, because I think a lot of people remember 
You had a letter of intent to go to Georgia Tech of all places. Chose to go play baseball. Talk about the decision to go play baseball as opposed to playing football. Yeah, man, you know something? Uh, you know, one thing I knew going into uh, going into making that decision about baseball and football, uh, the, the first thing that kept popping up in my mind is how was I going to play quarterback and baseball at the same time? You know what I mean? And then uh, getting the opportunity actually to, um, you know, to get drafted in the second round. And uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, $500,000, man, at 17, 18 years old sounded man, man. real good. Man. Yeah, buddy, <laughs> sounded real good. So, uh, and then I knew I loved the sport, you know, at the same time. So, you know, I didn't want inter to intertwine both of them at the same time. So uh, I wanted to give my full attention to baseball. And then I always knew I would have football in my back pocket if I wanted to go back, man. So, you know, with the money being uh, presented to me the way it was, uh, you know, my love for for baseball and then, you know, wanting to go full speed with it without having, you know, football in the way and distracting me, man. So, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer for me, man, to try baseball first. Yeah, I like that, man. I was I actually got drafted in baseball too, coming out of high school by the mall it, later round. I wanna I want a second round dude like you, QC. It, but, it uh, don't it don't matter. People <laughs> hey, people don't remember that though. Yeah. You know what I mean? You was just as talented too though, man. Yeah. Heck, yeah. So you you go play baseball for a few years and then you say, guess what? 98 roll around, I wanna throw the pigskin around. Now, the decision to go to the University of Georgia as opposed to Georgia Tech, how did that all come about? Because I know Tech, they was mad about that. They wanted yep. to come to Georgia Tech. They, they protested and all. But talk about that decision and why you chose Georgia instead of going to Georgia Tech. Man, honestly, one name, and that's Joe Hamilton. And Joe Hamilton, Joe Hamilton was, Joe Hamilton was at Georgia Tech. Uh, he had been there for a couple of years playing some good football down uh, downtown. And, uh, man, there was no way that I was going to go in and be able to take his job. Matter of fact, his job wasn't even up, yeah. you know, uh, for, to, for Coach uh, O'Leary to even make a decision. So, you know, my, my, you know my, my initial signing with Georgia Tech had everything to do with Georgia being on probation anyway. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, when we grew up, when we were growing up, man, you know, to wear that, to, to be able to have an opportunity to wear that G on your helmet was all our dreams. But that, you know, that dream didn't present itself to me because Georgia was on probation. So, uh, you know, at the time coming, you know, coming off a two year stint with baseball and Joe being at Georgia Tech, man, it was a no brainer yeah. that I had to choose the other school. And, you know, Georgia was, you know, really my only choice, to be honest with you. Oh, man, that's. I didn't know that, man. That's uh, pretty cool to hear that you ended up. I know a lot of Georgia fans excited. Was glad to have you for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about that freshman year, man, because you, you came out like gangbusters. You came out playing some good football. Actually beat out Nate Hibble, who actually turned out to be the starter over at, at Oklahoma. But mm -hmm. talk about that freshman year. Were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you a little bit like, I don't know if I can do it or not? But talk, go through that year because, I mean, you were, you know, a baller in that freshman year. Yeah. Man, let me tell you, man, I, I put my all into it uh, during the summertime. I actually went back to play baseball for about 35 games during the summertime. But that whole time, I hired a trainer. So we were up uh, working out 6, 7 o'clock in the morning for football. You know, I had the playbook with me. So when I hit campus, man, you know, it was all business. I knew I, I, need, I, need, I had to win that job, actually, because I had – about three or four other guys, man, uh, I was fighting with, too. Uh, John England was one of them. Um, mm -hmm. I can't uh, – Big Ben went down there to Auburn. I can't think of his last name. Matter of fact, that man's killed me. We just talked on Facebook the other ben day. Lear? Ben – no, it wasn't Ben Lear. Uh, from, uh, from Cobb County. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, I bring the bell, too. Yeah, but, uh, but I knew I had to win that job because if I didn't, I'd be sitting on the bench for three or four years, too, because I came in with two other, you know, good freshmen, too, and Mike Ursery too. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, it was, uh, it was all business for me, you know, and uh, 
man, I put all the chips in and uh, just went out and relied on my teammates to block for me. I had, you know, Champ Bailey to throw to. Matter of fact, he led the team in, uh, in receiving. And so, you know, that made my job a lot easier, man, with the guys around me. I had a veteran, I had a veteran offensive line and Chris Terry and yeah. Matt Stitchcomb, or when I think they both got drafted in the first two rounds yeah. in the draft. And those were my, you know, both of my tackles. I had Jonas Jennings, you know, my other guard, um, uh, one of the, uh, Miles Lucky, you know, going uh, all out, you know, at center. So, man, I had some great guys. Uh, Steve Mernon was the other guard who got drafted. Yeah, I was loaded. So, yeah. Yeah, I was loaded up front. Yeah, so, uh, so I had a good offensive line in front of me, man, and I just used the guys around me, man. And, uh, you know, and, 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 hey, I'll be honest with you, those guys made me look uh, a lot better than I probably was, too, though, <laughs> straight up. Shoot, do yeah. you remember the LSU game? I remember the LSU game watching that. I'm talking about you went crazy. I mean, you was – I saw the numbers. I looked them up. You were like 27 to 34 or something crazy, 79% of your pads, over 300 yards. You had like a – did you have like an 80-yard run in that game or something crazy like that? I mean, do you remember that so. game? You remember that LSU game? Heck, yeah, I remember. Matter of fact, that's <laughs> somebody just asked me a couple of weeks ago what was my best game professionally or collegiately, and that game popped right in my head, man, and it still is one of my best – one of my best football memories, man. Uh, yeah. But I, I was locked in, you know. Uh, we were locked in as a football team. Nobody gave us a chance to go down there to Baton Rouge and beat, you know, beat LSU. They were, I think, number three or four in the country at the time. And, man, we were locked in, man. And uh, that was a big game anyway because um, I forgot. I, I, I'm drawing a blank on being his name and it's killing me. But anyway, he was getting ready to come back off from uh, uh, shoulder surgery and be available next uh, the next week. So, man, you know, I felt like if I didn't play, you know, well, and then, hey, my job might be on the line. So, you know, I had that added pressure to me, man. It gave me a lot of motivation. And, man, like I said, man, we played as a team, man. And, uh, and hey, we played, you know, together and, and on all three phases of uh, – of the game, man, shooting went down there, man, and played some good football that came up out of there with the win. Man, you guys had a, a crazy year, nine and three that year. Sophomore year, you guys turned around, you guys go seven and four. I think the probably the most memorable moment was that comeback behind victory in the Outback Bowl that year versus mm -hmm. Purdue. Uh, so you guys end up seven and four that year. Then you get into your junior year where you guys have a lot of hype, and this is where it kind of gets up and down where. You know, you had a shoulder, I think it was. You had a, a thumb injury um, mm -hmm. in that junior year. Talk about the struggles you went through in that junior year and then deciding, I'm going to take my talent to the next level. Yeah, man, it was a tough year for me. You know, uh, I did have some injuries uh, towards the latter part of that. You know, my seventh, my, I think I only played seven games that year. But wasn't nothing wrong with me against South Carolina throwing them five interceptions. <laughs> 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 wasn't nothing wrong with me then, man. You know, that was really that was really the coming out party for the 3-5-3. Three, three. Yeah. Everybody plays now. And Charlie yeah. Strong, man, he um, – Charlie Strong was the defensive coordinator at the time, man, and he popped that thing on us. And I swear to God, man, I was seeing ghosts out there. So, it didn't get off to my, – my junior, junior year didn't get off to the start that I wanted to. I ended up getting injured. And uh, then I had to make a tough decision. You know, they had, uh, you know, that's when you came down on the, um, on the visit that offseason. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Rick was coming in. And, uh, you know, I had to make a decision whether or not, you know, I really believed in which direction the program was going. Uh, but the one thing that kept making, you know, that kept coming up in my mind, if we got off to a rough start, you know, um, with, you know, with the coaching staff go to the younger guy, David Green, who everybody was loving, mm -hmm. uh, coming from Snailville. And I had you, you know, come and don't breathe down my neck, too. And so, you oh, know, no, I'm going to come in there as a freshman red. Hey, hey, I was going hey, to be looking at you like, show me the way. Hey, but the program, the program had to go on. And so I had to make that tough decision, man. And I thought it was best for me to go ahead and take my talents, as LeBron would say, go ahead and take my talents to the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I tell you, you guys had some some pretty cool moments there in Georgia. Now, I remember, like we said, we talking about that visit. It was, it was fun. I, I knew that's where I wanted to be. 
And the fact that I would be able to, I thought I was going to be able to come there and watch you for a year. I thought that was going to be pretty cool. So, uh, but moving on to the National Football League, man, get drafted by the Cowboys, America's team, which everybody calls it. Talk about the experience of first off getting drafted in the second round, but then also winning that job in your rookie year. I don't think that has yeah. been a long time that a rookie in the second round won a job for week one. Yeah, man, it was an exciting time, DJ. You know, um, honestly, I knew where I was going to get drafted before the draft. Uh, my, my rest in peace to my agent, Eugene Parker, man, he had a real good relationship with Jerry Jones. So he knew he was going to uh, draft me in the second round. So I think I found out about Wednesday or Thursday before the draft on Saturday. So, oh, uh, so I kind of – it was just a matter of positioning where they were going to get me at because if they can keep trading down to get draft picks, we didn't have a first-round draft pick. So if they can keep trading down to get draft picks, they were going to do it. Uh, but, you know, uh, getting drafted on draft day, you know, it's kind of bittersweet because I knew – beforehand um and then i trusted my agent that you know that the, uh that it was gonna get done so it was a little bit of sweet but man shoot i put my head down went to work you know um you know going in i thought i was gonna be backing up tony banks for the first uh for the first year mm -hmm. and then you know kind of learning from him but uh some you know something happened behind the scenes i think uh with tony i'm not sure so i won't speculate on that but they ended up cutting them. So I had to, you know, um, shift mindsets there and, uh, you know, shift that mindset to being a starter, man. So I just put my head down and worked as hard as I could. I ended up getting injured uh, in practice. I threw, I, I actually the same thumb. I heard it, Georgia. I heard it again uh, mm -hmm. in practice, uh, hitting, my hand, uh, hitting my hand on uh, Troy, Troy uh, Hambrick's uh, helmet. But I was able, you know, it was kind of a, you know, a, a blessing in disguise because I, then I came back, we, we, I think it was 9-11 hit, and then uh, we were off a week, and I came back to the Raiders and ended up actually um, injuring my hamstring. I had to have surgery, so, and I had, I actually had surgery on my birthday, if you can believe that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I sat out for like six weeks, and that was the best thing that happened to me because I was able to learn you know, one game I, I actually didn't want to miss, and I was in Atlanta yeah. watching Michael Vick, and it was actually Michael Vick's first start, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Michael Vick's yeah. first start. Yeah, they were still kind of rotating him a little bit, but it was his first start, so I ended up missing that. But missing, you know, those six weeks and learning, uh, and sitting and watching the game, man, really did big dividends for me. I don't think a lot of people know in that rookie year, where you had Vic in that draft, you had Winky in that draft as well, but you yeah. had the highest QBR rating of all those guys who started those games. So to have that amount of success, especially in your rookie year, being thrown in the fire to say, I think was uh, pretty cool. Going into your, your second year, obviously uh, you, you had some stuff happen that year, but you guys, I think your, your biggest you know, defeat that year was when you guys were down 13 to Carolina, I think it was, mm -hmm. you guys coming all the way back. And I was looking through it and said you had an 80-yard touchdown to Joey Galloway with four minutes to go. And then mm -hmm. when 56 seconds left to go, you throw a 24-yard uh, touchdown to Antonio Bryant. I mean, how cool was that to have that uh, kind of comeback uh, your second year as a, a QB for the, for the Cowboys? Man, the coolest thing about that, that, uh, that, uh, that game there was it was on my birthday. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah. That was the coolest thing about that game right there. <laughs> But, man, just like you said, that second year, man, it was an up-and-down year. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I, I speak very outwardly about my life, you know, and it does dividends for me, you know, internally, but then helping other people too. But, you know, I got in the drug program uh, right before the season. So I had that hovering over my head. And, you know, going to flying back to New York because I was, it was getting, you know, I was getting uh, acclimated to the program, getting tested, you know what I mean? So I always had that uneasiness, uh, uneasy feeling, you know, about what I was doing in my personal life, and, you know, and then start, and then trying to lead a football team. So, and then that's how I played, you know, we won one, we lost one, we won one, we lost one. Yeah. You know, we we're, were able – actually, I was able to beat my idol, Steve, uh, rest in peace, Steve McNair that year too. I think the second game after we lost to the Texans, mm -hmm. it being their first, you know, ever game. 
Uh, but yeah, man, it was an up and down year. Now, you know, I, you know, I got to credit a lot of that, man, to my personal life, DJ. Man, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I know you've been through stuff, and obviously, you, you, you talk about some of the stuff started when you were with the Cowboys. Your third year, Bill Parcells come through. I'm sure everybody would love to hear uh, about your relationship with Bill Parcells and what kind of coach he was when he came in there. Talk about that relationship that you guys had uh, going into that, that third year. Man, it was special, DJ, man. Uh, it was almost, you know, as close as I was with Buck Godfrey and Steve Davenport. You know, that's how personal he was with me. You know what I mean? He always wanted to know how my mom was doing, how my kids were doing. You know, we talked about life. But not only that, uh, what I did learn from him, DJ, is uh, to come in there and work your butt. But, uh, you know, one of his biggest mottos, man, was just be great for today. So no matter what it was we were doing for today, just be great at that. Uh, be great at that. And, uh, and I took that motto and ran with it, man, you know. And uh, he's just one of them coaches, man, like every aspect of your game, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's how much, you know, how, I mean, how much you actually weigh. You know what I mean? Like you wanted, uh, you want, not only did you want to be great, but you didn't want to let him down because he was just – he was putting just as much into it as you was, too. Right. So, uh, he's just one of those special coaches, man, who knows how to teach uh, – not only teach the game, but knows how to touch every individual in a special way, man. He's just got that magical touch, man. Yeah. Uh, I've got plenty of coaches like that in my life, too, so I definitely know what that is like. Now, obviously, yeah. the, your story has been documented. It's been talked about. Everybody knows the, the struggles you had to overcome, the things that you – have had to, you know, kind of struggle with inside yourself. Talk about some of the things that you've had to overcome with this, you know, the addiction or things that, you know, have pushed you to the limit where, hey, you end up losing your spot with the Cowboys, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it has made you who you are today. So talk about yeah. those, those struggles. Talk about how you came out of it. But that point where you knew you had to do something about it. Yeah, DJ, man, you know, the biggest thing, you know, that I go back to, and I think I've said this uh, on a few occasions now, is that I, I, I go back to the first time, man, I picked up a marijuana joint, you know what I mean? And i never forget that moment either, you know what I mean? It was the best relaxing moment. Everything was free in my mind, and, uh, and I remember that moment. So when, when the stakes got higher, when uh, when the pressure, you know, went up to, you know, my expectations went up for myself, uh, other people's expectations of me went up. Then, you know, I went to that thing that was smooth everything off for me. But then it came a time, you know, where I got caught, like I said, in 2002, right before the season, uh, struggled with uh, actually stopping when I was supposed to stop. Mm -hmm. And then again here, uh, right before the 2004 season, I ended up failing a test. Well, you know, now the Cowboys got to make a decision whether or not they want to go into the season, you know, with me being one test away from being suspended for four games. So instead of, you know, taking that risk on a guy they really couldn't trust off the field, but I was doing everything right, you know, on the field. I mean, I wasn't, you know, a pro bowler, but, you know, I was, you know, making – you know, I was making strides to be a, a solid starter in the league, man. But, you know, they couldn't trust me off the field, so they had to make that decision. Now, DJ, when they made that decision, now it turned my world upside down. And so uh, for years, man, you know, uh, I blamed uh, the Cowboys for, you know, what they did. You know, instead of looking at myself, um, I was able to get a little opportunity again in 2008. Um so actually, the, the man himself, Bill Parcells, called me down there uh, to Miami, man, and gave me a workout. But I went up to Kansas City to the Brigade Arena football and actually played two or three games. I'm thinking, DJ, this is going to be it. Signed a three-year deal. Don't nobody want me. Bam, he calls. But then I'm not ready again. So they test me. I'm not ready. Failed a test. And uh, from there, man, you know, it took me about two or three uh, more years, man, to get you know, back on my feet because how I was feeling. So my addiction now is, you know, it's not even uh, marijuana now because now I got to take this pain away that I'm feeling. So now I'm picking up alcohol. I'm picking up pills. Um, so, man, you know, uh, 
Uh, then, you know, I get a, a couple jobs up in uh, Dawsonville coaching football, but I'm still not who God has called me to be. And I know that greatness where I'm at. So, and I'm still not dealing with, uh, with the task at hand of who really was the problem of, you know, of, uh, changing, uh, altering my life or whatever, or what path it was supposed to go on, or even if he was supposed to go on that path, who was to, who was to say that? Right. But I didn't help the path uh, that God originally had me uh, set on, I would say it like that. Yeah. Uh, so, man, yeah, DJ, it was just a lot of, you know, uh, me trying to take the pain away of, uh, of, my, of the mistakes that I made in my life, man. And so here recently, I've been to rehab a few times, though, DJ, but, uh, but here recently, man, back, you know, a year ago, man, I just decided, DJ, man, look, this is it. Yeah. You know, there's no more pain that I can take. God, take this away. But what I was doing, though, DJ, and I'll say this real quick, is I was going to rehab and I was just patching up. You know, right. I would... I would go there, you know, you get your little honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. Man, God, God, save my life, please. God, save my life. Mm -hmm. And then after about four, about a week, you start feeling good and like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? I don't think I want to go through dealing with, well, actually what really happened. Who was the real cause of it? So I was, I, so I was getting fixed up and running from the root of it, you yeah. know, and, uh, and not really dealing with, who really caused everything and forgiving myself, you know, some things that happened with my family, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and dealing with that and then getting down to the root of why am I really using alcohol and drugs, you know, to take this pain away. So I never, you know, I never got into the deep rooted, you know, issues. And so then, you know, eventually I would go back out as we say, you know, in the recovery world and I started using again, man, but I, you know, this time, DJ, man, I was able to uh, get on my knees, man, ask God to take it away. But then I started doing the hard work and dealing with the things in the root of why, you know, I really have been choosing drugs and alcohol to just rule my life like this for the last, you know, I would say 15, 14, 15 years. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I did the hard work, but it's a continuous process though, DJ. It ain't, you know, done just because I got a year or whatever, man. I got to fix this spirit every day to set me on the right path for my day because, you know, uh, and I talk like this, man, because I know the real of it. You're an addict, DJ. Mm -hmm. These are, and I, and that's, and that's the other thing that I didn't identify with and that, you know, kind of hurt me. I, I'm not like, like really admitting I'm an addict, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I ran from that too. But when you get to this stage and people know what I'm talking about out there, when you get to this one right here, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, bro, you're an addict and you got to do the things that addicts do yeah. right, to take care of their spirit and, and, and go on about their day. And it's just, it's, it's a routine DJ that you have to do. And if you don't do it this way, and I tell everybody, if you don't do it this way, I didn't try it at all. It's not sobriety is not happening for you. Yeah, you don't you know. So there. yeah, I mean, I, I think the number one thing you said there was just admitting it. Uh, I know that's the number one thing, and just saying, "Hey, I'm the problem, and I got to find a way to fix it." And I think yeah, buddy. that's deep because I know there are a lot of people who deal with a lot of demons inside themselves. Everybody has something they deal with, whether it's one thing or another. Everybody has something they deal with. So I, I love the fact that. You open your heart, man. You, you actually, you know, being real with the people because there are a lot of people who are going to hear this and they're going to get a lot from it. So mm -hmm. I appreciate the, the, the honesty for sure. Um, I know you get to deal with a lot of kids. Um, I know a lot of kids probably know your story. They know who you are. Yeah. What's the number one thing that you tell kids who are aspiring to be the next Quincy Carter that plays in the National Football League or a guy who plays Major League Baseball or, you know, these kids, they see you and they, they know the journey you take. What are some of the things that you're telling these kids these days to help them become better, not only just players, but people, number one? Yeah, well, the, the number one thing, and, you know, I, I try to stress, man, you know, I try to stress um, if, if you're going to, you know, try to give yourself a chance, man, to get a scholarship, you're going to try to give yourself a chance, you know, to, uh, to play one day playing the NFL, man, then drugs and alcohol, man, has no place in your life, you know? There's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to start a habit that you can't stop. You know what I mean? So I really stress that, man. And then the other thing, DJ, you know, 
Um, you've been there, man. You know what we had to do to make it. And, uh, man, if football is not, you know, your number one, number one priority, then you don't need to be playing because this, foot, this game right here, man, will give you back what you give it. And this one game, this one game, this yeah. game right here, it will punk you. It will punk you. Yeah. You know, so uh so I try to encourage that too, man. You know, the you know, if you're gonna go, you know, uh full I mean if you're gonna play football, man, go full speed. That's just like with anything, man, going full speed with everything. And then you know, you know, the importance of your grades, man. You know, I know for me. I knew, and it was just simple math, you know, and I tell these kids, man, I knew that I had to have the grades to get to where I wanted to get to. So how am I going to try to, you know, say I want a D1 scholarship, but I don't have D1 grades. It just don't coincide, man. And then the, last, the other thing, you know, two other things, DJ, you know, the importance of listening to your parents. You know, they got these phones all day long and staying on them. And, you know, sometimes these kids think, that uh, that these phones is life, and yeah. you know, and I and I try to stress, man, that your parents, man, they know what life lessons are, you know. So listening to your parents, man, and another thing, DJ has, you know, been dear to my heart, you know, all my life. But my newfound relationship with God, man, it's been real instru uh, instrumental in my life, man. And just you know, teaching these kids, man, to go find God. Trust me, yeah. man, if you seek Him you'll find them, man. So those are some of the things, man, I try to talk about, DJ. Yeah, man, I'm with you. God's the center of everything for sure. I mean, uh, it, it was something I remember going into my senior year and all the stuff was on my shoulder. Everybody was telling me it's all on you. And I remember our chaplain telling us, hey, man, John 3.30, which is he must increase, I must decrease, basically saying, hey, you don't got to put everything on your shoulders. And yeah. I know a lot of us do that. You know, we think we're Superman. We think we can do it all and we try to, Handle well, the situation. Well, so. first of all, well, first of all, I was saying, well, after saving, uh, well, after because because your name actually should be in parentheses, but besides David Green, with all the <laughs> victories that David Green got credit for, I know Dog fans might not like this one, but let's see how many games we got saved from. So yeah. hey, so that person got a mountain to you because they knew. All right, when you got ready to leave, a great one was getting ready to leave, too. So I had to cut in and say that to you. You just don't know how many people, you don't know how many people I didn't say that to, too. I just said it on Facebook Live. But you ain't got to say it. I got you. But go I ahead, sure appreciate it. I sure appreciate it. But you know how it go. You know, we we just do what we can, man. Keep our hands down and keep going. Look, you're the, same, you're the same humble dude. And that's what I love, dude. And that's what I love, dog. You see, what would what you... What would you tell the the, the, the 20, 25 year old QC uh, now about life that you know at 42 right now that could maybe help a kid, that can help an adult, help anybody who's going through anything, but just about life? Man, I, man, the first thing I tell myself, you know, is why? Like, why would you be sitting here smoking a marijuana joint, man, when you got your whole life in front of you and you actually are the quarterback of America's team. <laughs> Hell, you, you can just get high off that. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, man, I would, I would tell a, a younger me, man, is to seek God harder. You know, because I was going to church and I was doing the right things and saying the right things, but that intimate relationship with God and asking him to come in every one of my affairs, not just, okay, when I need to go win this game or, you know what I mean, or uh, we're coming off a loss, God, you know what I mean, we got yeah, to do this yeah. But that intimate relationship with God that I have now, man, so those are a couple of things, man, I love that it. I be telling a, a, a young QC. I love it. I, I got two more things before I let you get out of here, Q. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about the QC, QB school that you got going on right now. Talk about uh, obviously, you're working with a lot of kids. You, you, you're training them in quarterback. You're training baseball. Talk about what you're doing now these days and how you, you know, stay in the course. Man, you know, uh, I've got some individual quarterback training going on, and I got some groups uh, that I have uh, out here in Austin. Um, you know, I just came off a month of June and July where, you know, I got together with some other guys and did some camps. You know, I ended – 
you know, uh, July we're doing a camp out in Decatur uh, at mm. Gresham Park. Mm. Uh, so, man, you know, I'm uh, just staying in, you know, staying in, uh, in tune uh, in the community, man, uh, you know, speaking where I have to at times and uh, just working with a whole bunch of quarterbacks. I actually, I love to, you know, get those receivers out there with the quarterbacks, man, so they, you know, the quarterbacks are able to uh, work with some moving targets, man. Right. Uh, then I didn't dab into baseball now, and so uh, I'll be, you know, picking that up here in about three or four weeks, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as everybody gets ready. I mean, everybody's really pretty much entrenched into their football season. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'll be actually uh, one of the uh, – well, I'll be the offensive coordinator, not the head coach of our FBU uh, seventh grade – I'm sorry, eighth grade team. Nice. Uh, coming up who competes around the nation, man. And so I'm just, you know, doing that right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a big year for next year for camp season and everything and getting that prepared. Um, I then uh, started working on my foundation where I'm going to be targeting single-parent homes to get these kids out here awesome. to camp because their parents can't afford and also helping with drug addiction, I mean, uh, alcohol and addiction uh, also. And... Um, and man, and just letting God lead me, DJ. Man, I love it. That's why I wanted to ask you about it, because I know you're doing some good things. I know you're, you know, impacting the lives of a lot of kids, a lot of people these days. So I wanted people to absolutely hear that. Last thing is, we were talking about before we came on, and I can see you just light up, talking about your kids, talking about your kids, talking about your family, and uh, what your boy's up to. Uh, I know you got a seven-year-old. You say that's, you know, loves playing QB. I know you got two in college. Talk about you know, your young ones right now when uh, yeah. they're Man, DJ, you know something, man? That's been the biggest, um, the biggest struggle, I would say, uh, in this whole recovery process, man, because really realizing that you miss time out of your kid's life, man, you know, it hurts personally. Uh, so, well, so, you know, I got seven, DJ. So we're mm -hmm. rebuilding our relationships, man. I got two in college. You know, playing basketball. My oldest, she's a nurse uh, out in Mississippi. You know, I got one senior coming up here. Uh, my 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 youngest son. I got a ten-year-old daughter too, and a six-year-old uh, daughter also. I don't want to miss her, uh, just in case they might hear this. But anyway, I got my seven-year-old. Yeah, my seven-year-old man. He's been playing football with flag for a couple of years, and this year is his first uh, his first year in tackle. So. You know, he's all quarterback out right now. Yeah, so uh, so matter of fact, I'll be home next weekend on the 29th, man, for his first game up there and coming. Uh, man, so yeah, man, just uh, just spending a lot of time with them. You know, I can't do it physically. I got two out here in Texas, but I can't do it physically. But, you know, we're always on these camera phones, man, talking. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, just rebuilding these relationships, man, and making sure I'm giving them everything that they need to. Uh, to right they path the right way, man. Man, I love it. Uh, the fact that you have come on here and blessed my podcast. I appreciate you coming on, man, and not holding back, being truthful, being honest about things that's going on. I think that's the number one thing that's going to help so many people to hear is to hear you talk about those struggles, but then now to see where you are after those struggles and helping so many people impact your lives, yeah. you know, rebuilding those relationships like you talk about, I think is number one. So, Cute, man, from a, a guy who, you know, uh, I think one of your biggest fans, looked up to you for a long time, uh, still do for sure. Um, it's a pleasure to be able to share this screen and share this podcast with you, man, and uh, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Man, thank you, man. Hey, man, you already know how I feel about you, man. Hey, you keep doing your thing, DJ, man. Thank you for having me on anytime, bro. You already know that, man. But we're going to be in contact, man. But thank you for reaching out, too. I'm glad we're in contact, man. But we're going to be in contact, DJ. Quincy Carter, Triple Threat Podcast. Appreciate you joining us, bro. Be safe. Stay safe. And uh, much love. You too, DJ. Stay blessed out there, man. Shout out to my man, Quincy Carter. He came through. He spit some real fire. I think everybody could get a lot from what he talked about today. He was real honest, real brutal, but it was the truth. So appreciate my man QC coming through for me and 
talking today on the Triple Three Podcast. Thank you for joining us as always. Continue to share, continue to subscribe. Tell somebody that tells somebody and tell somebody else. Continue to grow the Triple Three Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we'll see you next week for another great episode. I'm DJ Shockley. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.